Hey, what is going on, Cube fam? Hope you're all doing well. It is your boy, Bez, coming at you guys with another episode. This one might actually be one of the most important ones that I do for you guys. Things are crazy right now. Unless you live under a rock, you know that the coronavirus is taking its toll and taking its effect on the global economy. And my goal in this episode is to walk you through what's going on with corona exactly. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty about the disease itself. We're going to talk about some of the effects it's having, some stats, and then talk about the market a little bit. This is going to be broken up into two sections. I'm going to cover a lot in this first part. The second part, we're going to discuss uh, individual holdings of, of cubes and things like that. So that's going to be for the subscribers, but definitely going to cover a lot of topics and a lot of uh, areas in this first episode here. So I want to get into it. And I also want to mention before I get started that this episode is going to have a little bit more opinions here too than, than most episodes that I do. Uh, because I think right now it's, it's an important time for me to not just share what's going on, but also give you guys my input, my take, my opinion on where I see things and, and, how I feel about certain things and I think this is important too because I don't want to just be the one that reports the news I also want to give you guys my insight based on my experience and how I'm positioning myself and the, the conversations I'm having and the people I'm talking to uh, from all over the industry so um, let, let's get into it here guys so it is uh, the night of March 23rd it's it's Monday night here and uh at this moment in time, we have about 380,000 cases of COVID-19 with about 16,500 deaths. Um, Italy has been one of the focal points as of late. Uh, they are experiencing some serious trauma, some serious... Uh, it's it, it, it just sad. I don't even want to be formal about it. It, it is just a catastrophe right now. Um, we have about 63,000 cases and 6,100 deaths in Italy. Their deaths have now passed that of China's. Uh, the U.S. here stands at around 43,500 cases with much less deaths at 545. And the first thing I want to do is, before I even get into everything, I, I hope you guys are staying safe. I hope you guys are taking this seriously. I'm not, say I'm not here to say this is doomsday and, and all that kind of stuff. But I do want you guys to take it seriously. Don't take it lightly. And I do want to express my condolences to anyone who has lost any family members, maybe back home in Italy or here in the United States or back in China, wherever you're listening from. I know my audience is global. And I hope you guys are, are doing well and your family and, and loved ones are doing well. So uh, with that being said, guys, there are some silver linings here, okay? And I, I've been looking at the data and I've been thinking to myself, all right, you know what? Um, wh where can I di dig into this deeper and see some some good things? Because I got to be honest with you all, I I'm, a, I'm a little upset with the media here. Um, the media has been, and without getting political, there's no need for that. The, the media has been, I think, adding a lot more fuel to this um, than, than it should be. Uh, and they're going for their clicks and they're doing what they, they think is best in this environment. And we can disagree on that if you guys would like, but... I think they're doing a little more damage right now than helping. Um, but if we look at China and we look at South Korea, okay, they've slowed down dramatically. And even if we look within the United States here, you know, Washington, Oregon, and California were some of the, the first states to get hit. And they've also 
slowed down dramatically with cases. And I think this is also because they've been implementing some shutdowns a lot sooner. You know, right now, New York City is bearing the brunt of most of the, the cases in the United States. They, they're really taking it uh, the, to the next level. And and now New Jersey, which is a state I live in, is, is second on the list, uh, just climbing up the leaderboard, to say. And I think we need to get a little more serious now, too. And I think we're, we're beginning to. And th- there's some things, though, that I want to talk about. Uh, here's what I think needs needs to get done. I, I'm, I have a lot of areas. I have pages and pages on, on this podcast here that I want to touch upon. You guys know that while the quantity of the podcast, the amount of, the amount of episodes I put out might not be too much, I make sure I pack a lot of quality into them because I really, really like to do a, at least a few days, if not a week's worth of homework before I, I get on the mic. So... What I think needs to be done here, guys, and I, and I really do think that this this virus is for real, okay? Um, yes, most people are living through it, but here's, here's where I stand. I believe we need to go on a, a nationwide shutdown for about 30 days. Th- this is where I stand. I believe that we need to do this because there is a, going to be a shit ton more damage, okay, if we drag this on. We cannot allow this to prohibit our natural way of doing things into July, into August, into, God forbid, September, all right? We need to go full-blown, shut it all down for 30 days. I think Trump needs to go along the lines of, guys, stay home. Everyone stay home, okay? Enforce it, you know, whether it's, you know, doing fines and whatnot for, for not abiding to the laws, Give it 30 days, maybe till like late April, if not May 1st. I wouldn't go further than May 1st personally. All right. Let's just slow this thing down, if not stop it completely in its tracks to the best of our ability. And then after that, it's back to work. It's back to work. And if you're not willing to go back to work, we will find people that are. And, you know, if you look at the course of history, there's times when, especially Americans being, you know, I'm biased, but, you know, being the tough son of a guns that we are. You know, eventually people had to go back to work in Manhattan, you know, after 9-11. You know, I have family members that had to do it, and it wasn't easy. But there's times in, in history where, you know, you got to bite the bullet and, and do it. And, and what I'm really worried about, guys, is that we don't take aggressive enough action. We let it, you know, uh, kind of phase out itself and... We don't get that growth back and the government's got to, you know, step up and help out a ton. And I believe that people not going back to work. Okay, listen closely. I believe people not going back to work, employers running low on cash, banks starting to really feel the uh, the lending strain. Okay, all the layoffs, all this stuff, I think will lead to more deaths. Okay, than coronavirus itself just from anxiety alcohol abuse, drug abuse, just popping pills for God's sakes, okay? Just the absolute stress, the malnourishment for some for some of the, you know, the less fortunate. This could get ugly fast. I think we need to go ahead, go full force on this, give it everything we have, okay? I'm very happy to see the FDA, uh, you know, expediting a lot of things, all right? There's been some good progress with some recent drugs. We'll see if it if it does a trick, we've seen it work in some small cases, um, you know, from Gilead and, and, and Mylan and Teva and 
all these other companies, you know, I you got to give props to the to the biotechs for you know Moderna for for really going all in and trying to you know get this whole issue solved. And I'm glad they're they're expediting everything. I, I really worry that we could cause irreparable damage by not enforcing stricter measures and letting this, you know, kind of just span out. Like, like oh, here we go. No one's taking it too seriously. People are still going out and about. Cases are still kind of rising, you know, th things like this. And then we never really stop it. And if we, if we continue to drag this out, then we'll never you know, fully recover, it, we're going we're gonna to lose that V-shape, so let's go full-blown, full-dive, let's not even bother tipping, uh, dipping our toe in the water, okay, we've seen some good progress out of China, we've seen some good progress out of South Korea, uh, and, and other APAC countries, and then let's go back to work in May and June, now a lot of you guys may be listening to me and saying, you know what, Bez, uh, that sounds great and dandy, but no one's going to go back and risk their lives, guys, I think you might be underestimating, um, not just the effects of what will happen from us just sitting home for two, three, four, five months, okay, and what what kind of strain that's going to put on on uh, the Fed, what's going to put on, on just the government as a whole, emerging markets, just yeah, even down to the individual, okay, this could become disastrous if we don't get back into the normal swing of things, and while I, I, I value everyone's lives, we could... We could rewrite history books here for the worse, okay? And I, I'm more concerned about that than I am about, you know, the, the people that are dying. And I mean that with all due respect. I really do, and, it, and I don't like to say this stuff, but I feel like I have to. And I'm wondering if Trump and anyone else is going to be able to step up and say this. Now, I think, and this might be a little controversial here, but this is what I'm getting at. The China numbers look a little... I don't want to say sketch, but they look a little hard to believe. Like, you know, they went parabolic and they just, I know they're able to implement some more draconian uh, measures by just shutting things down because of the way their whole entire structure is set up, their government. And we maybe not have, we don't have the same facilities or the same capabilities. But the, the, the way in which it just stopped, I believe they had three consecutive days of no new cases I find that a little hard to believe, but here's what I believe also, though. Here's what I believe on the flip side. I think President Xi understands that if they don't nip it in the butt quick, all right, that it could shatter his economy in China, all right? And they have, they're the poster child for, you know, emerging growth. China's the powerhouse. They're going to you know, take over, and I don't know if they're lying about these numbers, or they're fudging the numbers to ensure that everyone stays cool and gets back to work, because that's essentially what's happening now, they're opening up movie theaters, uh, studies are showing that they're going back to work, China, it's it's always hard to really get the full scoop on China, but if, if President, if President Xi, okay, is lying about the actual numbers, I can almost understand why, because he cannot afford and no economy can afford to sit back for three, four months, okay, in complete um, quarantine mode and expect there not to be any major repercussions to our currencies, 
to our debt markets, to our equity markets, to all the securitized and derivative markets that make it even worse, okay? We have to do a cost-benefit analysis here. Anyone that's got pre-existing conditions, and this is my opinion, uh, and anyone that's got, um, you know, uh, a little older, it's a little older in age, stay home. If you can do your best to work from home, even better. But guys, I don't believe America, being one of the stronger economies in the world, can afford to sit home for three, four months, okay? And expect they're not, expect everything to go back to normal and there not be any any kind of issues, all right? I, I, it just, whether FEMA needs to, to, to get on, on top of things with the WHO, the CDC, and all these other organizations, whether they, we need to fund more of the proper masks, not the ones that everyone just keeps wearing around, the real masks that actually prevent things, and we all need to go put those on to, to go to work, so be it. But we need, we can only stop the cogs for so long before everything just breaks, all right? And like I said, it it might sound bad on the other side of what I'm saying, but we need to realize what is worse. What can what 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 is the worst case scenario here? The here's how I think Trump should kind of play it, and uh, any leader, government leader for that matter. Um, you kind of go along the route of everybody take thirty days off. Where take thirty days off if you got that garage or basement that that's been you know cluttered. Go ahead, take this time, go clean it up. You got that book on your bookshelf that you've been wanting to read for the last year. Now's the time and go read it. You want to have family time, here it is. You want to learn that new instrument, this is your opportunity. Everybody stay home for 30 days. We're going to make sure we take care of you, okay? And we're going to make sure we take care of the companies that need it most. And come May 1st or come whatever date, Okay, whether it's, you know, 25 days, 30 days, whatever. I believe it should be 30 days. All right. And it's back. It's back to the grind. We have no other choice. We have no other choice. And in that 30 days, we do everything possible from shutting down to to only keeping absolute essential things open and making sure the proper uh, ventilators, the proper beds, the the proper spacing, let's utilize hotels, let's utilize the cruise ships that are pulling in from the docks, let's utilize all these college uh, arenas, NBA arenas for space, let's do what we need to do to stop this dead in its tracks, we've seen other companies are having some success with it, um, and and then go back, it, it just, it things have to continue, so that's where I stand guys, that's where I think we should go with this, um, some of you might disagree, and I told you it's going to be a little bit of an opinionated episode because what good is me just spitting the facts to you guys and just leaving it there? You can get that anywhere you want. You tune in because you kind of care, or you, not kind of, you, you do care about what I think about things, and it's just to to provide you all with, you know, another aspect, or maybe you feel the same way, so please, you know, shoot me an email, message me on the uh, DMs on Instagram and whatnot. Now I want to talk about the market a little more, all right? The Dow is now down 35% year-to-date. The S&P 500 is now down 31% year-to-date. The tech-heavy NASDAQ is down 20% year-to-date. Um, now, in the same order, the Dow is down 37% from all time from the all-time highs that we made. Uh, S&P is down 34% from all-time highs. And the NASDAQ is down 27% from all-time highs. 
the worst performing sector right now is energy at 61% uh, down for the year. And the best performing sector is consumer staples like your Walmarts, your Procter & Gamble's, your Coca-Cola's, your Costco's. They're down 23% year to date. So guys, what does this tell us? What are we thinking here as we analyze this? So I'm a long-term investor. I had about, and still do, but going into this, about 20% of the portfolio hedged uh, with about 13% in cash, a 4% um, short position, okay, put me at 17%, uh, and I have a company that's completely uncorrelated to the global markets that makes up about 5%, but I'm not going to give it a full weight, but it really is, has almost no correlation it's a, it's a micro cap stock that has almost no correlation to the broader markets. And it's actually been going up while the markets have been going down, which has been helping big time. So uh, a little over 20% of the portfolio has been hedged. I wish I went a little harder on the short side. I'll be completely honest with you. Um, but, you know, when you're in a 10-year bull market, it's kind of hard to time that kind of things and those kind of things. And, and another thing, too, that people have to remember is the markets were shaking off a lot of the coronavirus worries when it was in China. It was only when it touched foot touch step here and landed in the United States that we started taking it seriously. It's, you know, we were shaking it off, brushing it off, no problem. I also want to mention one other thing. So the market is down a lot right now. We might be saying, okay, well, all the stimulus, all these things, why is it not making a, a more profound impact on, on, on the markets? There's a few things at play. One, what good is the stimulus if no one can actually go out there and implement it and utilize it? Okay. I believe that there's going to be a delayed effect from the stimulus. Uh, for people to say, in my opinion, um, that the Fed cutting rates 150 basis points is not going to make a difference, I disagree with you. I just think the market doesn't care right now. The only thing the market cares about right now is seeing viruses uh, contained, peaked, and starting to come back down to normal levels and eventually taper off. They want to see the the rip up, stop that you know that we've ripped up now stop and now go back down. They want to see that. Um, so. There's also another thing we have to keep in mind. We have Saudi Arabia and Russia also having a little bit of a a little bit of a battle back and forth here that's been pushing the price of oil down dramatically. Okay, which is why energy is down so much, and a lot of the S and P 500 is weighted in energy, as is the Dow, and that's why the Nasdaq is doing so well because it's not it's more tech heavy. And that's also playing a huge role in this, okay? And then we also have to look at the fact that people are starting to discount here what the possibilities are of Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden getting elected uh, in November and what Trump being out of office means. Now, that's why you're seeing, you know, healthcare stocks starting to worry a little, you know, investors in healthcare stocks starting to worry a little bit and all kinds of things like this. Because this is not just a virus. Everyone keeps talking about the virus. Yes, I'll admit it's a majority of the weight. No doubt. But this is also because energy is plummeting. All right. Which is putting a, a stress on credit markets as well. I mean, when you look at like a uh, private equity, they're getting hammered. Hammered right now because so much of their of their portfolios are in oil and, ener and energy. Same with like the banks, Citigroup specifically is doing worse than Bank of America and JP Morgan because of, of their credit book and how much of it is in energy. There's a lot of things at play here, more than just Corona, but it's, it's not helping that it all happens to be at the same time. That's for sure. 
So I want to I want to highlight that kind of thing. So that's where we stand with the market stats. All right. Now initially, when we were pulling back here, I'm a big fan of uh, technical analysis as well. I'm a, I'm a, at heart I'm a fundamental uh, investor. You know I love my my valuations and my discounted cash flows and everything. But technically speaking, when we we're I I thought when we were down 13 14 percent we were going to bottom at 18 19 percent. That's and I, I have no problem admitting it. But the second that Fibonacci level didn't hold, I said, okay, we're going to visit um, December 2018 lows. And that's exactly what's happened now. And then I was talking with the group chat. And I'm like, all right, guys, if this December 2018 level doesn't hold, we're going to go to November 2016 levels. And now that's where we're at right now. And it's kind of it's kind of crazy, you know. It really is wild uh, how out of hand this, is, this has gotten. Um, you know, many will say it's justifiable. Others will say it's not. Goldman just came out and said that um, they're expecting, you know, after it's all said and done for this to bottom at 2,000 S&P 500, which would indicate another 10 to 15% downside from here. And they're also calling for minus 24% GDP in Q2. Now, uh, most estimates are in that 14 to 15% range. JP's at minus 14%. Deutsche Bank's at minus 13% expectations. Uh, right now, one of the best cases is like a minus 8% in Q2 uh, GDP year over year. Now, by all def- by most definitions, I should say, that's going to be classified as a recession. All right. If you want to go by the back-to-back quarters of negative GDP, now I think we might have a discussion here. We might have a debate. I Now, consumer spending makes up about 70% of GDP, right? Q1 was looking really strong before this hit right here in the late part of February, early part of uh, of, of uh, March, okay? Q1 was looking pretty damn strong. In fact, if you look at the um, Atlanta GDP Now and other uh, GDP Now metrics, they had, at the time, GDP coming in close to 25 to 3% for the quarter for Q1. Now, I think that's obviously going to pull back. They already pulled it back about half percent. BlackRock's seeing it come in a, around half a percent now. I think Goldman's moved it down to negative one percent or so. Uh, all the people rushing to buy all the food, all the you know hardware, all the you know whether it's batteries, you know flashlights, you name it. Like people have been running left and right, spending to uh, you know hoard things pretty much. That's a big part of consumer spending there. And, you know, I, I'm thinking myself, maybe it's the optimist in me, I think Q1 could potentially, I'm going to go ahead and say maybe 0% to 0.2% growth in Q1. Um, it's really going to be close here. It's going to be close. We had some really strong uh, jobs numbers, some great housing numbers, and... Uh, leading up to this this very moment. And yeah, March is going to look pretty damn ugly here in the last three weeks of March. But I'm going to go ahead and say that, and it's going to be ballsy here, I'm gonna, and maybe it's optimist in me, but by the definition of quarter, back-to-back quarter, over um, back-to-back year-over-year uh, negative GDP quarters, I'm going to say we avoid it. Um, and that is a contrarian approach. It's a contrarian approach. And this assumes a lot of things. There's a lot of variables here. 
I think Q2 is going to be an absolute wash. Yes, I agree with Goldman. I agree with all the guys. Q2 is going to be pretty, pretty ugly. Um, and then I do see a positive Q3. And I'm not expecting it to be that quick of a snapback. All right. I think the snapback really comes in Q4. Um, but I do believe when you look at April, May, June, that's going to be rough. But we got the July... August, September, and Q3, I think we could see positive GDP there. I think that's when a lot of these people are going to be implementing and using all the stimulus to their advantage. Um, you know, at that time, that's when they'll start, but it'll really be a full-blown effect in Q4. So I can see maybe us eking out a flat Q1 GDP, absolute shit show in Q2, followed by, you know, things returning back to growth in Q3 and Q4. And I say this because, yes, the, the stimulus will eventually, you know, start to um, take its hold. I also believe Trump, as I mentioned in the beginning, I believe Trump is going to take it into his hands and really shut things down. And, 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 and cities ar around the, the, the United States, the country, are already starting to do this, okay? San Francisco is seeing some really good results so far. It's early, but they're seeing some good results. You know, we have to look at... Um, a potential may vaccine or at least something that's helping save lives a little more things like this um i think the government knows as well economists know as well that we need to get back into the swing of things we cannot shut down into you know the later months of q2 i i just don't see how it's possible it we're gonna put such a strain on the deficit such a strain on, on just debt in general the, the debt markets, it just, it could get ugly, and I don't think it gets to that point. I, I really believe um, the government understands what's at stake here. So that's my bold claim there. Um, some other interesting facts and hot takes. For the first time and only time uh, since the financial crisis, the S&P 500 yield, uh, dividend yield, is higher than the 30-year uh, treasury, okay? It's at 2.6% right now versus 1.33%. Uh, which is, uh, you know, a double, all right? It's double the, the, the yield on the S&P 500. So I do believe that a lot, uh, and I'm trying to really keep this together as best I can, guys. I really am. I know it could be a lot, but I have so many points I want to make, and I was trying to think about the best ways I can really get it all together. But I believe equities are starting to look attractive here. What has been my strategy so far? I've been dollar cost averaging. Uh, like I told you, I was 13% cash. I've dumped my losers, if you were underperforming, I let you go. All right, I, I had to. No, it, it just is what it is. There are other more attractive names right now that I feel uh, deserve uh, some attention. So if I, I had losers, they're all but almost gone by now. Okay, and I've been slowly developing positions in companies that are, I believe, fairly valued now, getting to the point where it's like getting borderline ridiculous. And I'll discuss that in, the, in part two, like I mentioned. Um, so I, I think with the with yields being low and they're going to stay low, I I, I believe. Uh, I don't I don't see rates going up anytime soon. I think it's going to be lower for longer for quite some time. Um, and I think equities are going to start becoming attractive again. You know, if if we look at um, Goldman's prediction of. S&P 500 earnings per share. They're one of the biggest bears in the market right now. They're calling for $110 in earnings per share for the S&P 500. Uh, that, would, that would put us right now 
around like 20-ish times, a little over 20 times earnings, um, which, you know, isn't half bad. It's kind of around the area we were before this all went down and the estimates came down, and that's like a bear case right there, you know? So I think we're getting to a point now with when you look at the yield on some of these companies and you look at the the interest rates being so low, I think we could start to see in, you know, in the next few weeks now, uh, my opinion, money start to come back into equities. Uh, I think the algorithms have been a huge part in a lot of this volatility as well as margin calls. I think a lot of people, and I've spoken to some friends at Morgan Stanley who are big bankers there and... Um, They've been having to liquidate some big clientele um, because of margin calls, borrowing to keep buying into the S&P 500 because it just kept making new highs and it bit them in the ass. A lot of people think the margin calls only come from short selling. It comes in the other way when you borrow to buy high and now, hey, you know, the broker gives you that that call you really don't want. So that's all been playing a role here. Uh and I think people are going to start looking into um, equities. I think it, they're getting to a point now where it's it's almost too hard to ignore. I still think we're the best market and the best economy in the world. And we know how far the government will go to make sure the economy can get rolling again. So um, other things that I wanted to mention. Uh, I And I'll mention this a little more in, in the part two as well. I don't think there's any reason in owning financials right now. I see, uh, personally, I don't see any attractiveness in in uh, financials or energy. I Like I said, I see lower rates for longer. I see Saudi Arabia and Russia continuing their little spat right now, or big spat rather. And they're just so heavily indebted. It, it's hard to find... Uh, value in in energy specifically as well. I, I own one energy name and it's the only one I'll pretty much ever own going forward only because I, I trust that their dividend will stay intact and and they just outperform the XLE time and time again. So I think you have to be really selective in energy if you are bound, uh, looking for a bounce back and it has to be soon. You know, you really can't afford to go on for much longer. Uh, down here, the company's just not going to make it. And then just financials, as I mentioned, I I, I see little to be excited about. Um, the one thing you could say, and I'll, I'll put this out there, if you are going to look financials, my opinion would be looking more at pure, more pure investment banks. I believe companies now will be eyeing up more consolidation to survive this. I believe also companies with the capital will be looking to scoop up and make some key acquisitions on companies that have fallen dramatically. So I do think on the investment banking side, there is some opportunity. But as far as pure retail, uh, it's a little, it, I don't, I, there's a little to get excited about. Their, their net interest income just doesn't look good. Uh, I don't see rates. I don't see, I, don't, I think everyone can agree with me here. I think there's a higher chance of the, of, Powell taking Nate's, uh, rates negative than taking them higher. Uh, I truly believe that. So, you know, for more pure play uh, consumer banks, I'm not a fan, especially ones with with some serious exposure to energy. So that's my little caveat there on, a, on, on those two sectors. Um, what else we got here on my book? 
uh, people have been asking me nonstop. Uh, you touching? You, are you touching Royal Caribbean? Are you touching Delta? What do you think about the bailouts? What do you think about all this stuff? All right, here, here's where I stand. I, I personally have not touched. Uh, I have not added or touched any airlines or any cruise liners or any entertainment parks like Six Flags or anything like that. I have been staying away, and it's been the right move. I've had even former, you know, not former, current, um, well, current and former uh, investment bankers and and asset uh, guys in asset management hitting me up like, yo, Bez, what do you think, man? It's time to head into the the airliners, time to head into the cruise liners. And I've just been saying no. You know, I, I don't see what the rush is. For me personally, why would I want, okay, uh, in a Royal Caribbean down 80% that's completely and directly correlated to Corona when I can get a company that is minimally impacted by the virus that's going to see little um, drop in revenue growth that has a better balance sheet that doesn't need a bailout that's down 50 or 60%. I'd rather have that name and that company in my portfolio because put simply, there's a higher chance of that one making brand new all-time highs in a year. I have a lot of trouble seeing the airliners make new highs, even with the bailout. We don't even know what the bailout's going to uh, be like. What are the details? What what if they do preferred stock? What if they do um, disclosures and contingencies that they cannot issue any dividends or they cannot partake, partake in any buybacks? Then what? You know, I forgot which airline, uh, which um, cruise liner it was, but um, should we even bail them out? Think about that for a minute. Should we even bail out the cruise liners? It's a luxury item, okay, a luxury thing uh, that people partake in. And some of them aren't even domiciled in the United States, so they don't pay tax in the United States. I have to go back and look this up. I should have, but the idea just hit my, my, my mind now. I have to imagine, too, that a lot of their employees probably aren't even American, okay? So they don't pay any taxes in, in the United States. They don't hire any really, you know, um, American uh, workers. And now th- after two or three weeks of this pain, they're going to they're gonna want to check. Why don't we keep the fabric of capitalism somewhat intact, okay? And let competition scoop them up for cheap for their fair market value. Let Warren Buffett with his hundred and... Sp- billion plus that he's got in liquid ready to go and dry powder. Let him get involved the way he got involved with Bank of America back in 08. How about letting private equity get involved? They're sitting on tons of dry powder. Let the market get involved. I I, I don't want to see the, the government just bail anyone out because then we run into this problem. And I made an Instagram post about this and I touched upon briefly. We run into the problem where uh, companies, if they see this, all right, they get, we're getting bailed out over a virus, all right, after literally a month of, of turbulence. What does that mean for how they look at their risk appetite going forward? Is everybody just too big to fail, right? This could, it could create some serious, serious uh, risk problems going forward. And, you know, what, what would bother me more is to see us bail them out, contingencies aren't put in place, and then here we go, we have these companies buying back up all this stock and doing the same crap they've been doing. It's just poor capital allocation. They left nothing in the reserves. 
They've borrowed, they've taken advantage of all this cheap debt. Okay, there's more triple B debt in the, in, in the current U.S. markets right now than there was entire debt for corporations in 2008. This is a serious issue. They cannot handle this debt for much longer, which comes back to the point of why I'm talking about why we need to go back to work. These companies will not survive, all right? And that only is going to create a domino effect. So we, we're going to bail them out, all right, when they've just taken advantage of all the low interest rates to, to rack up their balance sheets with debt so they can continue buying back shares to line their own pockets and to alter earnings per share report every every single quarter. Because like I said in my episode on, on dividends and buybacks, you keep you know, manage, it's so funny, manage, a lot of managers' bonuses are tied to earnings per share targets, right? And also, you kind of conflate uh, and inflate growth by reducing the number of shares. You could pose the same net income next year, and it's higher earnings per share. It's just financial innovation at that point, okay? Like, what what the hell are we doing? So, I'm eyeing this up very closely because... This is going to piss me off and, you know, I take pride in being the, the capitalists we are. I really, really do. And I don't want to see, you know, a non-essential industry with some companies that simply don't deserve to get bailed out. And I know you might be saying, well, what about the employees? Look, if people want to go on cruises, right, they're still going to go on cruises. All the honeymooners will go on their honeymoon. They will. They're just going to push it off a little later on. That's all that's going to happen here. All right. And now if Royal Caribbean is not around anymore, guess what? They're going to look at Norwegian. They're going to look at Carnival. They're going to look at any other competitors out there. And and maybe Disney, no, uh, Disney, well, Disney Cruises, but maybe Carnival notices that they can't handle demand. Um, let's go ahead and buy out um, Royal Caribbean's fleet for whatever the hell it's going for now, pennies on the dollar. Or let's go ahead and invest in other ships because... The demand that was going to one competitor is now coming to us. It didn't go anywhere. It's just being sh- shifted to someone else. What does that mean for 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 Carnival? They got to hire more employees. They got to hire, you know, the people to build the ships. They got to make the the capital expenditures. It just shifts to another company, and they start hiring their people. It doesn't just vanish. This is something I I really um, want to highlight, and I, what I'm thinking about so often and. And something I, I truly am, am concerned about. You know, I, I was hoping we'd learn our lesson after 08. But, you know, if we just start bailing everybody out, what did we really learn? You know, I I, I put out the, two, the 2019 outlook and the 2020 outlook over the last couple of years. And, and um, the consumer has kind of learned their lesson, but the corporations haven't. It's just a shame. It's just a shame. So what else have I got on this list here? Uh, I touched on a lot of them. Um, okay, okay, okay. Um, Senate, uh, just some other tidbits that, uh, random points here. Senate is still working on this bill. I'm, I'm not even sure anymore. Is it, is it going to be, uh, $3,000 per family? Is it going to be under 100000 salary? Is it going to be under $65,000 salary? Is it a one-time? Is it for how long, how many months? They're still debating this, so I can't really comment on that too much because nothing's set in stone. They're still working it out. That's a lot of the reason the market went red today is because they just kept failing to come to a conclusion. But as far as what the Fed has done, get a hold of this. They're pumping trillions into the repurchase, uh, the repo market, the repurchase agreement market, okay, which is for short-term liquidity. Um, a lot of people forget that two to four trillion dollars worth of uh, of money changes hands in the repo market daily. So uh, this is a lot, but I just want to give you all a little context there. 
they're going to pump another $750 billion doing QE, you know, whether that's buying up treasuries, buying up, you know, mortgage-backed securities, things like that, just like they did back in um, the the financial crisis. They dropped the rates to zero, as we all know. Um, the, you know, I hate how Paolo just can't wait for the meetings he has scheduled. He's got to do it, you know, on the uh, off the rip, on the cuff, you know, and catch everybody blindsided. It just scares people to to death, man. I, but that's a whole other discussion. They slashed the emergency rate, the discount window, 125 basis points to you know to 0.25 percent, and uh, and they lengthened that term to 90 days. That's what the banks, when they go to the Fed to borrow, that's the rate that they pay. Uh, generally, it's it's higher um, because they don't want the banks to come to the to the Fed to to borrow. They want them to borrow amongst each, you know themselves. And this one caught me by even more surprised. Uh, they freaking dropped the reserve requirement ratio to zero. Now this is what they need. The banks need to keep uh, their their deposits. They need to keep a certain portion of them in reserves. Generally speaking, it's between three and ten percent, depending on how large uh, the deposits are for that institution. They dropped this to zero. So they're going full force here, taking out all of the ammunition to make sure that the banks are fully liquid and capitalized to, to help out companies around the globe. This is like huge. I mean, it's just massive. It caught me way off guard. I, and, and, and the speed at which they did it is even more surprising to me. And I, uh, I, I want to say that my biggest concern here, guys, my biggest concern is not right now. My biggest concern is when we get back on our feet and we get through this virus, because we will get through this virus, all right? What happens when the economy really slows down from a non-one-off event? Okay, when it actually slows down, what tools are left? That's when I get really, really concerned. Because the Fed has essentially done everything they can. If they go negative rates, I'm telling you right now, it ain't even going to make a big deal. It ain't going to make a big difference. I, I just don't see it. They're doing... So, they, this is like infinite QE at this point. Okay? And like I said, if you're wondering why the markets aren't pricing it in and all that stuff, I believe it is going to be a delayed reaction. Right now, the priority is containing this virus. And then people will eventually leave their houses and get back to work so they can implement and utilize this this uh, next level stimulus. So that's where I'm really, whew, really concerned about. Okay, um, I just what what do we do to keep growth going in the in in the future? Perhaps in 2022 or 2023. You know, so this is where I stand right now, guys. I. I'm a little more optimistic than a lot of the news channels out there right now. And that's just who I am generally as a person. I I am buying stocks slowly. I'm, I'm dollar cost averaging. I think it's the best way to go. Uh, generally speaking, guys, and for the mo and actually stats provide, you know, back this up. Be careful trying to time the market because most of the gains that you earn throughout your investment uh, career and investment life lifetime, they come from single days that are just such big rip like uh, ripbacks, like they just rip so high. Uh, th those single days they add up. 
they make a big difference in your portfolio over the course of the long term. They really do. So I want you guys to be careful getting in and out and in and out, especially if you're younger. I'm 26. I am, I'm kind of, I'm not happy that this is happening, but I, I loaded up in, in 2018 and, you know, a lot of my, my stocks that I own are still in the green because I, I took advantage of that dip and I'm starting to take advantage again here. But I, ha- I have to make this very clear. I am not just buying anything that's down the most. I don't care for that. I'm looking for well-capitalized companies that are sustainable, that are not, that are not seeing um, a whole ton of pressure to cut their dividends, to suspend their buybacks, to cut their workforce, that are going to see a huge drop-off in revenues. I am not looking at those kinds of companies. I am, I'm looking at the companies that are, are well-established. I'm looking at, you know... The blue chips, you have to be careful when you say blue chips because some of the blue chips are not blue chips anymore. Um, but I'm looking at those companies, companies that are down 50, 60%, but are still going to be in business, that are still going to, their services are still needed, especially a lot of the subscriptional services. Okay? Um, th- these are the areas I'm looking at, and I'll, I'll give you guys some broad, um, because I do want to provide value, even if uh, you know, you're know you not a subscriber. I am looking at a lot of the consumer staples. I am looking at cybersecurity. If you guys have been looking and noticing, um, people are getting desperate right now and they're doing a lot of phishing, a lot of malware right now. Uh, you know, they're sending all kinds of emails, pretend to be from, you know, the WHO and the CDC trying to, um, you know, get in, get your your information, your data. Uh, there, there's the Hacking is, is reaching new highs right now as people are getting desperate. And, and people are also vulnerable. The companies are vulnerable. One of the last things, in my opinion, corporations are going to cut on their on their spending is security. That is, especially as they move offline. I mean, online rather, and away from the office. And they're doing everything now over telecommunication, whether it be uh, Zoom or just straight conferencing, and and all of the uh, emails that are being sent from uh, uh, you know from their house Wi-Fi. You know, it's. It, they're susceptible, and I don't think that that companies are going to just cut back on um on their cybersecurity. I, I still believe people are going to be buying their their Q-tips and their Tylenols. Uh, you know, I I still think that there is some serious some serious bargains in the market right now, and I'm being a very selective buyer. I have not put any money into my uh, my passive. S&P 500 holdings, I've really been scooping out, scoping out and scooping up um, individual names that I believe are just so oversold and that even if they go down even some more, I'll still keep adding because I'm doing the dollar cost average where I just keep adding a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and that I'm very, very confident we'll turn it around and and see new highs in the next 12 to 18 months. It's like I said, especially if you're like under 40 years old right now, you should actually be kind of happy because this is where the money is made, guys. This is where the money is made. You know, when you're looking at the markets down nearly 40% from highs, all right? It kind of you know, I mean, what are we are you expecting 70% drop? Are you expecting a 60% drop? Even if you are, maybe now at this point you start to slowly dip your toe in, okay? Because if we do see any kind of 
relief, any kind of similar trajectory as other, as other countries that have experienced this earlier, we, we could see a pretty sharp reversal. Because right now, people are starting to really price in some damage. Okay? Like uh, Goldman just said, they are expecting earnings per share to fall 33% uh, in 2020. The markets have pulled back. Right now, S&P is down 34% from the highs, which kind of gives it an equivalent uh, price-to-earnings ratio as, it, as things were when, they were when times were normal. So perhaps this is kind of a good place to look, especially when you couple that with, this, with the November 2016 lows. Not even December 2018 lows, November 2016 lows. You know, there's, there's so, you know we're, we're having these conversations every single day, 24 hours a day. Uh, I trust that governments around the world, you know, the UK just shut down. Uh, they just announced tonight they're shutting down for three weeks. Uh, you know, the Middle East is, is taking things very, very seriously. And um, some of these drugs out there are, are looking kind of promising and we'll see what transpires there. I think it's still a little too early to say anything and come to any conclusions. But um, I still think there's, there's some silver linings here. I still think we can get out of this. I don't believe it's all doom and gloom. My, my whole point is to put a recap on this is that I think no matter what, America has got to go back to work in the next 30 to 45 days. We cannot sit back on our asses and expect the government to pay for everything. It's just going to be too much of a strain. The corporations will not be able to handle it. And it could get ugly. And I believe that the, the cost-benefit analysis uh, starts to really fall in the, in the other direction. I think, and I'll say it again, there will be more damage done. And maybe even, actually not even maybe, I believe there will be more deaths related from a recession, excuse me, slash depression from people getting laid off than the, vi than the damage from the virus itself. You know, people are, there's, there's reports coming out right now of people committing suicide in, in Manhattan from all this stuff. You know, it, it, guys, the suicide rates went through the roof in, during the financial crisis. People are, and so maybe some of you listening are, you know, feeling it yourself. You feel the pressure. You're looking at mom and dad and they feel the pressure. So many Americans barely have any kind of reserves in their bank accounts and they're relying on this money and they're worried about where their next meal is going to come from. And that kind of stress has some serious um, repercussions. And that's what I'm more afraid of. That's what I'm, I'm more afraid of that than the virus. So hopefully Italy starts to pan, uh, you know, starts to taper off because it's, it's kind of funny. The media, you know, as soon as China started, you know, tapering off and South Korea started tapering off and, you know, they, they turn it right to, to Italy because uh, that's the next one heating up. All right. Uh, and then they want to go ahead and make direct claims that that's what the U.S. is going to be in 10 days because they're 10 days ahead of us. That's not necessarily true. It's, it's not a one for one um, scenario. You know, just a few facts. Italy's median age is one of the, they're one of the oldest countries uh, in the world. Okay? Their, their culture is much different than ours with regards to, um, like, when they greet each other, it's hugs and kisses, man. Listen, my family's from Albania. I can tell you straight up, too. That's how we are. You know, very touchy-feely when you greet people. Kiss on both sides of the cheeks, big hugs, everything. That plays a big role, plays a big difference. Then you got the, 
the um the initiatives they're doing with China that allows a lot of they've been doing a lot of business there and you look at so many things so many things and the, their healthcare system and their ability to handle everything and uh, and you look at the average age of the debts it's 81 years old all right actually something cool happened the 95 year old in in uh, Italy oldest person to survive a woman survived 95 years old from corona which is pretty cool a little side note there and I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that the, the media is now going to go ahead and they're going to turn it to Spain next. And then they're going to hop over to the UK next after maybe Italy pans out and, and starts to taper off. And then eventually they're going to bring it back to the United States. And I just call me crazy, call me, you know, wild. But I just feel like the media is doing more damage here, creating a little more fear than we need to be seeing right now. And it's, it, it is having an, a, a material impact on the markets. I truly, truly believe that. And um, I do believe, though, most of the damage is done now. I believe that there are brighter skies ahead, greener, you know, pastures ahead. And um, we'll see what happens here as, as things taper off. If we follow the same trajectory, we could potentially see a peak in the next two weeks. Okay, uh, Italy started, uh, one of the Italian scientists, they said that they implemented... Uh, the shutdowns on March 11th, and they're expecting to taper off, one of the scientists said, in the next week or two. There's usually like a two to three week lag. Um, potentially, maybe we'll see something similar in the next two to three weeks ourselves. Uh, we just have to keep in mind that there are more tests being done at the moment, you know, so that number is going to keep going up now that there's more people being tested. Um, and I want to make one last point here, and I, I, this is a little. Uh, like thing for you guys to think about. Does anyone here think that's listening that this virus actually might have been here in like November, December? Did anyone notice that they kind of had like flu-like symptoms and they've gone to the doctor and the doctor said it's not a flu, but it, it is some kind of virus? My parents were not feeling well in the later part of 2019. My mother specifically went to the doctor and the doctor said, this is not a flu. We have some kind of virus. We didn't make much of it because we didn't have the testing for it. This really wasn't in the news much. It kind of started making headlines second week of January in China. And she got over it in about a week or two. Uh, a lot of guys in the group chat were feeling the same way towards the later part of 2019 as well. And, and also in January. I'm starting to wonder how many of us have, have already had this and have already gotten past it and over it. Just a little thing I want to throw your way, and maybe you guys can ask yourself here, because, you know, maybe Corona hasn't just touched down the last few weeks, month in the United States. Maybe it's actually been here for quite some time now, but because of the testing that's available, and the media, and China, and everything just getting exacerbated, maybe now we're just making a much, much uh, bigger deal of it, so... Just some things to think about, guys. I am at the one-hour point here. I hope that I touched on a lot of bases for you guys. I hope it wasn't too overwhelming. I have like this whole my whole notebook stacked out, and I also didn't want to jump to conclusions too early to do this podcast. I was about to do it last week, but I wanted a little more data, so you know it's what I talked to you guys about is less dated and, and a little more fresh. Because there's still so many things up in the air. So, um, this is where I stand, guys. Definitely repeat it. If you have any questions, please DM me on Instagram. Send that email to help at qbuff.com. 
I am going to be doing part two uh, very soon, uh, discussing portfolio allocation, specific stocks that we that you know Cube owns, that uh, stocks that we're looking into, and um, if you are interested in subscribing, guys, uh, use the code podcast, you know P O D C A S T, all lowercase, for twenty percent off the initial startup fee, and. I look forward to seeing you guys in there. I look forward to you guys seeing the portfolio. Right now, Cube is outperforming the markets. We're still in the red, but we are outpacing the S&P 500 uh, by a large margin as well as uh, other other markets, especially the emerging markets. So, you know, all things considered, hanging in there fairly well. I'm excited for the second half of this year. And um, thank goodness for the hedging. Uh, like I said, I wish I went a little harder on the hedging, but... You know, when you're in a 10-year bull market, you're not you're never really sure what to expect. It's hard to bet go against the grain when every dip is bought up. So, um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Like I said, feel free to reach out. Use that that code podcast for that nice discount. And I hope to see you uh, as a member. Thank you all, and we'll talk soon.